0: Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, we're going to be joined by Greta Van Susteren here on Kentucky Newsmakers, who is beginning her new TV show on gray television stations around the country, including WKYT and The CW Lexington. Full Court Press will be designed to make the connection between how policies handed down in Washington will affect people in local communities, including here in Kentucky. But first, the new school year is off and running and Schools have been besieged with threats and disruptive events that have concerned lots of parents and kept some students home. A student was found with a loaded gun at the brand new Great Crossing High School over in Georgetown. A social media post led to high absences at a Madison County middle school. There was panic at a Lexington High School football game last week. Two men were outside Anderson County High School and they were arrested. Those are just a few of the kinds of things that have been going on issues and copies cat situations that have come up early in the school year. Joining us right now is John Akers, the executive director of the Kentucky Center for School Safety, which is based at EKU. Mr. Akers, thank you for coming in. We really do appreciate no, you're it. You're more than welcome. We're uh, just, you know, days into this new school year, and uh, then all of a sudden we start with the, the threats and the, the incidents. A lot of parents and others at least shaking their heads, if not very concerned, about uh, what is going on. Each situation obviously is different, but... Uh, IS THERE A TREND YOU DETECT HERE? CERTAINLY THERE'S A TREND. Um, JUST AS WE WERE SHARING
1: A FEW MINUTES AGO, uh, THIS PAST SCHOOL YEAR, I'M TALKING ABOUT THE 18-19 SCHOOL YEAR, WE HAD OVER 1400 THREATS THAT WERE LEVIED IN OUR SCHOOLS. AND SO THIS IS PICKING UP RIGHT NOW IN THE 19-20 uh, SCHOOL YEAR. AND WE'RE, we, YOU KNOW, WE'RE VERY, VERY CONCERNED ABOUT IT. THE ONE THING ABOUT THE THREATS uh, that, THAT that CONCERNS ME THE MOST IS I WANT TO ASK THE KIDS WHY THEY THINK THEY CAN DO THIS. and I bring that back to the back porch of the parents, saying, you know, what are they being taught at home on those things? I mean, when you start looking at trying to get to the root of these problems, you need to find out what's happening after 3 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Do you think that they perhaps don't realize that words have consequences? They, maybe they, as mm-hmm. long as, you know, they don't actually take a gun to school or there's, you know, no violence involved, that, uh, that, that they're okay with what they're doing?
1: Well, I think that's part of it, sure. But uh, with the passage of Senate Bill 1 last year, uh, there was a specific part of that law that talked specifically about terroristic threatening in the second degree, which is a Class D felony. And they went further to specify that at the school, uh, if you're disrupting the school day, if you're disrupting uh, uh, school programs, if you are threatening students or faculty members and stuff like that, that's a part of that. So the, te- the uh, terroristic threatening portion specified school issues, and so now principals during the first instructional days of this school year were required to send out notification to parents that this law does now talk about school issues and also if your child should engage in this type of activity, schools are going to prosecute and let the kids stand before a judge and explain themselves why they think that they can get away with stuff like
0: this. And potentially have a felony on their record as a teenager, which is a a tough start. the types of threats vary, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the position you operate in, do you usually know when there's some credibility involved? Well, most of
1: the uh, threats that we have, thank goodness, are non-credible you know, threats and things like this. Um, the ones that uh, we don't get are when the problems occur. And so uh, these threats, uh, Bill, are, are designed to disrupt the school day. That's as simple as that. And uh, uh, just recently with the uh, national one that came through Arkansas and Kentucky, basically. This is not a new thing. This has happened around the country for the last four or five years. And they are circuiting those things around through uh, uh, offshore uh, uh... websites coming back into like facebook social media and whatever and then it says it's an innocuous threat in some school in arkansas some school in kentucky well you know we have twelve hundred plus schools here you know public schools plus another what five hundred private schools around here so we don't know where it is but fbi gets on it very quickly and does an investigation in this thing to try to determine if it is in fact a credible threat and then we push it out to the community but what happens is that social media just blows up and parents get scared and they keep their kids at home. Attendance figures go down, and so that basically disrupts the educational process, and so it's kind of a cyclic process that just continues to go on. And so um, we try to, to do the best that we can, and when I say we, I'm, talk, I'm talking about our law enforcement officials that monitor these things, but uh, it's a problem. And, and uh, the local issues that we have in Kentucky, this is where I focus in on those 1,400 threats that we have that were generated by students here in Kentucky, I want to push that back to the parents and ask them for their help at home on that.
0: What discussion would you urge parents to have with their kids on this issue? Well, at
1: the risk of sounding like an old school person here and stuff like that, I think they need to get back to basics and talk about right and wrong. Uh, not only about terroristic threatening, but how to treat one another, the bullying thing, and things like this. And so. Uh, you know what's acceptable behavior and what's not and and I'm, I'm concerned that some students don't understand what acceptable behavior is and when it comes to terroristic threatening that's exactly what I'm talking about
0: if parents uh, do have fears uh, are they uh, perfectly within the rights to to keep kids home yes uh, you know
1: I hate to say that because it's going to affect you know your attendance record and stuff like that but the bottom line here is that parents want to be sure that these kids are safe Now, I will tell you this, that schools are the safest places to be in society, but we're not perfect. Uh, If you look at the church issues and you look at the malls issues and if you look at the concert issues and the theater issues, you see, this is just not a school issue. And so if they're going to keep them home from school, are they going to keep them home from the malls, from the theaters and things like this? And so that's a debate we can have. But I think parents, if they are afraid to send their kids to school, then they have that right to keep them home. But, uh, you know, as soon as I say the schools are absolutely safe, then something bad is going to happen. So I can't go that far. But I'm going to say that I have no problem with putting my grandkids in schools. I have no problem with uh, telling my friends to put their kids in school.
0: What would you have parents know in terms of the response that is done when something uh, does come in mm-hmm. that may or may not be credible? Uh, obviously, law enforcement and the schools move very quickly yes. uh, to try to determine uh, the authenticity. Uh, certainly, to uh, to harden any potential uh, target. Uh, what are the kinds of things? that are going on.
1: Well, a whole bunch of things. I'm glad you mentioned that. Through Senate Bill One, this has really intensified all the efforts on school safety at the school level front, from target hardening as far as doors and maintaining what we call access control to the building to locking all school classroom doors during instruction. Plus it has that whole mental health side of this thing which you've heard so much about that, you know it's not the gun that kills the people, it's the mental health people that kill the people, so to speak. And so there's all kinds of efforts to try to um, prevent and try to predict when things are happening like this but when we get in, you know when, when we get a threat like this first of all we're pushing out uh, a statewide tip line that's now being run through homeland security and all the schools now have posters on those where they can text where they can, they can email or they can uh, phone in and there'll be a school safety analyst 24 7 365 ready to answer the phone or respond to the text or whatever so those are some preventative things that are out there but when a threat comes in like that, um, law enforcement immediately gets involved with the school officials, and they go right after it immediately. They don't take anyone not seriously, all of them are seriously, and then we'll let you know the chips fall where they may as far as those things are concerned. But when you get to that, I want the parents to know that the school officials are really trained, and law enforcement officials are trained to admit these things out immediately and figure out what's going on.
0: And in consultation, they will make the decision yes. if, if it has come in uh, after the school day and before the next one, uh, whether or not to proceed with school. Exactly, right? and and this is another problem too. A threat
1: may count, you know, come in at 8.30 in the morning. Parents will know about it at 8.31 because their kids are texting right. their parents and stuff. It may take school officials four or five hours to, to vet that out and find out what's going on and then push something out around noon or you know, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, whatever. And, and uh, there'll be a frustration from the parents, why can't you tell us something at 832 on this? Well, we need to get into the weeds and find out what's going on. And so we asked for parents to have a little bit of, uh, um, uh, what do I want to say? Um, um, GIVE US A LITTLE SPACE to, yeah. uh, to, TO GET THIS THING INVESTIGATED, AND THEN uh, BE A LITTLE PATIENT WITH US, WHAT IT'S LOOKING FOR THERE, AND uh, LET
0: US GET INTO IT. AND AS YOU KNOW, uh, CERTAINLY AS A PARENT, uh, YOURSELF, and, uh, it's, IT'S DIFFICULT. IT'S HARD TO sure, SAY it's AND IT'S HARD TO DO, right, uh, uh, right. KNOWING uh, THAT the, THE KIDS COULD BE IN HARMS WAY. There, IN THE MIDST OF ALL OF THIS, THERE HAVE BEEN uh, SOME uh, GOOD OUTCOMES IN THAT this, PEOPLE HAVE COME FORWARD AND SAID THINGS. At the, IN THE CASE OF THE GUN AT GREAT CROSSING HIGH SCHOOL, THE STATE'S NEWEST HIGH SCHOOL, DAYS INTO uh, BEING OPEN, a female student reported that another student on campus had a loaded gun how important is that adage if you see something say something
1: absolutely critical absolutely critical Uh, kids know a lot of these things before the adults know and so it's important to uh, praise these kids when they do those things and it's important to get that culture out there saying that this is okay when something is going to be dangerous to themselves or others it's okay to tell somebody it's not like tattling with somebody you know broke a pencil or something like this. We're talking about something that's very, very serious here. And so... Uh, that's one of the messages we're pushing out, and and uh, what our teachers are doing these days, and they've done it for years and stuff like that. It's that relationship that the teachers have with the kids. Uh, teachers are the first responders when you get into any of these type of situations, and so if the kid feels comfortable enough and confident enough to talk to the teacher confidentially about things like this, we'll be able to stop a lot more of these things down the road.
0: And student, uh, the teachers need to be very alert, right? Well, to, to, you know you, yeah. know, you know, most definitely. And I,
1: I want to double back to a yeah. you know you know a question here. Statistically, when you look at the number of schools we have in our country and the number of shootings that have occurred, that constitutes one tenth of one percent. So it's not as um, widespread as you would think, but it's a problem, and I'm not going to deny that. But what I am going to say statistically, we are 99.9 percent safe in our schools like that, but it's that one tenth of one percent that catches all the media's attention and obviously the parents' attention. So there's THERE'S SOME COMFORT IN THAT, AND and, uh, I DON'T WANT TO DIMINISH WHAT'S HAPPENED IN OUR STATE AND IN OTHER STATES LIKE THAT, BUT BY SAYING THAT OUR SCHOOLS ARE SAFE, WE NEED TO KEEP THAT IN MIND.
0: MR. ECKERS, I KNOW YOU PUSHED HARD FOR SENATE BILL 1. Uh, IT IS NOW THE LAW OF THE LAND. Uh, THERE WILL BE FUNDING FOR THAT NEXT YEAR, BUT MANY SCHOOLS ARE NOT WAITING FOR THAT. FAYETTE COUNTY uh, PASSED A LOCAL TAX AND HAS DONE SOME $13 MILLION IN in UPGRADES. OTHER SCHOOLS HAVE MADE uh, SOME uh, OTHER CHANGES, TRAINING, of course, barriers, surveillance cameras, x-ray equipment, which I understand is hard to get because so many schools around the country are, are facing the same sort of need. Uh, and yet we have all of this happening. Uh, do you feel that uh, you know we're on the right path by hardening these campuses? Yes, I think we're on the right track, but
1: um, I think it needs to be a balanced approach here. I'm more interested in putting more people into the uh, schools, your mental health people, reducing the number of uh, kids that are assigned to each counselor in the schools. I think it's important to have a law enforcement officer in there. And I want to say a uh, school resource officer when I say that. These folks are trained to be mentors and teachers and counselors and law enforcement officials. And here in Fayette County, I've had the pleasure of working with many over the years like that. And. Some of these police officers that are in our schools, the kids have such a special relationship with them that you have good intel that comes in there, and the kids feel comfortable talking with them. And so I think that's an approach there. The hardware side of this thing, Bill, to be perfectly honest with you, is window dressing sometimes. Uh, With uh, uh, Marshall County High School, for example, they have 87 exterior doors. Now, let's get real about having metal detectors. You check that out at the beginning of the day, but what can happen during the regular portion of the day? And look at all the doors our schools have. So we're more reliant on the kids telling us what they know. And we're reliant on these tip lines. And we're reliant on parents who may hear something at home to call us and let us know what's going on. Uh, The hardware is something that, yes, we want to lock the doors and stuff, but the shootings take place before school, during lunch, after school. So... Um, you hear what I'm saying? We're trying to develop these kids to understand what we call is situational awareness. Know your options. If you hear a shooting, run away from it. If you can't run away, hide lockdown. Those type of things like this. Not only 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock, but when they go to church, when they go to the theater, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, all those other venues, they need to be aware. Of. And that's the way this society's pendulum is swung now into, look at all the mass shootings that are going around the country. It's scary. And so we want the kids to be trained on how to deal with issues 24-7.
0: With John Akers, he is with the Center for School Safety here in Kentucky and uh, obviously uh, quite an accomplished educator and now an expert in this field. We're coming back on Kentucky Newsmakers. More questions for him and Greta Van Susteren joins us a little later to talk politics. We'll be back. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're delighted you're with us today. John Akers is with us from the Kentucky Center for School Safety. very timely interview uh, given the fact that we have had uh, all of these issues at the start of the school year. Frustrating, certainly, but uh, I know you're hoping, Mr. Akers, to get things uh, on track and and, uh, get some of this. out of the system, right? I mean, correct. Uh, let's talk about another thing in terms of uh, visitors who come to campus, uh-huh. and if, uh, be that vendors or parents or uh, someone who has some reason to be at school, they also need to understand that the rules have changed. Definitely, and one of the things
1: that we have uh, been uh, pushing out is uh, uh, you know, stronger access control policies. Uh, when a parent or anybody comes to a school, they're going to have to buzz in, state their name. They're going to have to explain why they're there. You know, they you know, state the purpose there. We just can't have people walking in the hallways just down the way and stuff like that. We need to control the flow of that. We need to control the back doors by the cafeterias when the uh, the deliveries come in. Things like this. We need to be checking on all these things. And so, we have sent out uh, training throughout the state on how to deal with those uh um access control issues and 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 every school district has now what they call a school safety coordinator and we trained all those individuals this past summer on special techniques on how to deal with access control how, you know how to push this information out to the parents and to anybody that's coming in we want the schools to be welcoming but we also want them to know that we're going to make sure who they are when they come in there and once they enter the building they're going to be escorted from point a to point b they're going to have a visitor's badge on and then they're going to be taken out in some schools are, are, are even asking the parents to um, deposit their car keys with them, and then in exchange, when they come back, they, we get the visitors pass back, then the parents can go on back home and stuff like this. And so we're looking for a lot of things that will help that, and, and it's a transition, because some parents are, are, are in elementary schools around our state are used to walking their kids to breakfast, mm-hmm. um, and coming home and having lunch and things like this, and, and uh, it's more of a kind of a Mayberry type of a, uh, experience, but we're in a day and time when things have changed. Yeah. Uh,
0: so let's talk about this one, and this kind of goes the, the, the same route. And I know that you you just recommend best practices to, to schools for the most part. The law uh, does dictate sure. some things, but often schools make their own uh, rules. Uh, chaperones at football games, you know, uh, and, and extracurricular activities, that is one of the discussions apparently going on right now in Fayette County. Uh, you know, are we to the point that uh, high schoolers at high school games uh, maybe? maybe can't be on their own.
1: I hope not. I'd sincerely hope not because that's the time. Being a former high school principal for 25 years in this county, kids need to have that social experience, going to football games, basketball games, and stuff like that. But from my side of this coin, now um, that's one of our most vulnerable targets. You have huge crowds there, and you have minimal number of law enforcement officials there, and yes, things can happen there. The same thing as the UK football game or a basketball game or a pro football or baseball game, whatever like that, we need to look at what we can do to make sure things are going to be a little bit safer there. I have pushed out checklists to athletic directors around the state on what they can do to try to make this a little safer in their schools. But if you have somebody like happened here in Fayette County where a kid yells fire in a theater, so to speak, that there's a gun here and everybody starts freaking out and stuff like that, uh, we need to flex strong with those individuals when they commit those acts of terroristic threatening. And maybe the word will get out that, hey, you're going to get socked with some information, or not information, but with some punishment, meaningful punishments, and maybe your parents are going to have to pay a fine on this thing. The word needs to get out that we're not going to tolerate this.
0: Let's get back real quickly to this uh, the conversation you want parents to have with the kids in, yes. in terms of the, the threats can cause you trouble for the rest of your life. I mean, it, that is one it, of the, the issues that you've talked about. But you also uh, encourage parents to monitor their social media sure. uh, and to have frank discussions about uh, uh, who they're running with. Right, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because when I
1: look at the mathematics on this thing, we have the kids 15% of a calendar year. That's seven hours a day times 180 days a calendar year. 85% of the time they're away from school. And so we need the parents to really help us partner with us to make sure that the kids are being safe on the internet, like you just mentioned, and that uh, who they're running around with and what they're doing and what their expectations are with behavior. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't wanna lay it all on the parents but I'm asking for their help on this thing to really teach them kind of right from wrong on these things.
0: I know you also address uh, unexpected natural disasters, other things. You have a whole list of, uh, of things that you hope schools and uh, students and uh, teachers and parents will look at. And you have a website. You want to give that to us real quick? Sure. That's uh, at uh, www.kysafeschools.org. All right. John Akers, as always, appreciate you very much.
1: And I appreciate you putting school safety on
0: the front burner here again. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Thank you. We're coming back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Greta Van Susteren will join us. She'll talk about her new show called Full Court Press that will be airing soon here on WKYT and the CW Lexington. We're back with that in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're glad you're here. We're heading into a very exciting time in America with national elections really already getting rolling for next year. But how do the policies that are debated and enacted in Washington affect communities where people live and work around the country? Veteran TV journalist Greta Van Susteren will be hosting full court press weekly on great TV stations around the U.S., including here in Kentucky on WKYT. And Greta is joining us to talk about the new show and how she and her team are going to approach things and are preparing for things. And it has to be an exciting time, Greta. You're just about ready (laughs) to go with showtime.
2: Yeah, it is exciting, but it's also a little bit daunting. Every time you have a new adventure, I have to admit, you get a little nervous. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited. Um, and, uh, and especially, I mean, I mean, when you talk about where you're from, Bill, Kentucky is such a, I mean, such a fascinating political place right now going into the 2020 race. I mean, Kentucky holds a lot of the cards for the rest of the nation.
0: Well, really, let's talk about that just a little bit. Uh, You know, you have uh, Mitch McConnell going for his seventh term in the U.S. Senate. Uh, The Democrats uh, here in Kentucky are determined to uh, uh, give him a heck of a challenge. Uh, So that will be one that we'll be watching here, but of course the nation will watch that as well.
2: Well, yes, because the, the fascinating thing about that particular race is Kentucky is a is a Republican state. President Trump won it by about thirty points in 2016. But now you've got a, a Democratic candidate who I assume she'll win the majority win the uh, uh, primary for the Democratic Party. I'm not sure, but she has an interesting background. McGrath. She has flown 89 combat missions, so she's an interesting candidate. But just think about this: that if Kentucky decides not to go with McConnell, they lose the power of having the the majority. Leader, because that's huge in the Senate. But also, there's the risk that the U.S. Senate goes Democrat, which of course would give problems to President Trump should he be reelected in 2020. He's already got a Democratic House and likely to stay that way.
0: There's a lot at play here. Let's talk a little Indeed. bit about uh, the the premise of your program and how you're going to uh, try to take the the national debate and and show how it applies locally. You know, uh, how e- easy is it for members of Congress or even bureaucrats uh, from all over the country? there, uh, to remember that every policy they debate and they enact in D.C. affects people on Main Street back home.
2: Well, they tend to forget it until election time, and then they start talking about it more. You know, if they talked more about it right after they are elected, it would be a lot better because things would get done. But just take an issue like student loan. That's an important issue of Kentucky, but it's also important, state, important to my home state of Wisconsin, to Iowa, California, to every single state. And these politicians, you know, they say, you know, give me your vote. Elect me so I can solve your problems. So, well, guess what? Time's up. What are you actually doing to solve the problems? So what we're hoping to do on this Sunday morning show is identify those problems that are rather universal to communities and say these are the problems. What are you going to do about it? Not like how bad is the other guy you're running against it, but what are you actually going to do about it? And try to come up with some solutions and really put their you know put their feet to you know put their feet to the fire to give to give the voters answers and to do better things for the people of Kentucky or Wisconsin or whatever state.
0: And you know school safety might be another uh, similar issue that is uh, playing out around the country. Uh, Greta, your stature as a nationally known anchor. Was- give this program a lot of credibility, no doubt about that. Do you expect that to mean Can I just stop you for one second?
2: Can I I stop you for one second? I I love that you say that, Bill. But if you look at the polls, the American people trust local news, not the national news. So I'm hoping to take some of the the trust that the community has in you so that the viewers will listen to me and consider some of the things I have to say. But the trust and the stature really is local news. People are really turned off to a lot of the people in the national news
0: well appreciate you saying that (laughs) do you expect though you know that to mean and that teamwork that you're you're talking about now with with what you're doing in dc and and melding that with what is happening locally uh to mean that the program will be a good destination for for guests to uh, to get their message out
2: well, I hope so. I mean, I hope it's a good destination. And one of the one advantages I do have going into this, I've been around the block so long, about 25 years in the media, is I tend to know many of the candidates and, or, I've, or I know many of the members of their staff. So it gives me a greater access to them to talk to them. But I don't just want to talk to candidates because I don't think candidates necessarily have all the answers. I want to also talk to other people in the community who, who really live and breathe and know the issues that are facing so many people. So I'm hoping to get a newsmaker like a candidate, but I also want to get some sort of high-profile people People, and even some lesser known people, uh, the high profile, who actually can identify the problems and perhaps suggest some of the solutions. So I'm hoping to do a whole lot in a half hour. I you know, I hope I haven't bitten off more than I can chew. Well,
0: uh, we'll see and good luck with that. But uh, So what you're saying is you're kind of going around this, uh, this divide that we have uh, in this country right now. Uh, you know, the two parties are somewhat uh, beholden to the activists who uh, tend to be uh, far to the right or the left. Uh, there's plenty of evidence that there are a lot of people who are somewhere in the middle. Uh, Is it possible in this environment to, to get some good discussions going?
2: I think so. I think people are fed up. And what I'm hoping to do different from other shows, and, and look, I, I had a lot of great years on, on other networks. I had fun on a lot more of my friends. But I think there's a lot more to news and what's going on in the world than what happens between New York and Washington and what happened last week in, in Washington, D.C. I don't want to discuss what happened last week. I really want to reach out and find out what's going on in Kentucky, what matters in Kentucky and all these other states, and look and look for solutions. And I actually believe there's an appetite for that. i, I do a lot of social media I see how sick and tired people are of the fighting doesn't mean we're necessarily going to agree but at least we ought to be talking to each other we ought to at least figure out what the issues are and at least pitch some ideas or some solutions we're not going to find perfect answers but we've got to get off the I think I think people are sick of the fighting I hope I can I hope that's sort of the niche that I can sort of grab and and take the ball and run with it
0: well, good luck, and uh, a lot of your success uh, will be our success, and we uh, certainly look forward to it. It's going to be an interesting, uh, different sort of program, Full Court uh, with Greta Van Suster, and we thank you very much. And you can see uh, more of Greta Van Suster, including interviews with presidential candidates at fullcourtgreta.com, and that is up now. And that's Kentucky Newsmakers for this week. We want to thank you for joining us. Remind you, we'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning, and hope that you make it a Good week ahead.